Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for joining us for our time of the study of the Word of God. Here we study the Bible and uh, we aim to study from the book of Genesis to Revelation by the grace of God. We've done 38 books of the Bible and today we shall be completing the book of Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament. And it's been a long journey of about two and a half years where we have studied together and we thank God for the grace. We thank God for the blessing. We thank God for being there for us and helping us walk this journey. It's not easy, but we thank him. So today we shall complete this uh, 39th book of the Old Testament. And uh, I want us to start today and uh, hopefully we will be able to complete it. A book of Malachi. And it starts by saying the oracle of the word of God to Israel through Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. Yeah? But you say, how have you loved us? There is that question that we always have when we are told that God loves you. And then you say, if he loves me, why am I like this? If he loves me, why don't I have this? If he loves me, why did my parents die? If he loved me, why don't I have a good job? Why don't I even have a single job? And we question because of the things that we see and we do not they do not portray or show that there is evidence of love. And it's just equal to that which these guys are saying here. They're saying, how have you loved us? Yeah. They're asking, how have you loved us? You who says that you love us. And he says, was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord. Yet I have loved Jacob, but I have hated Esau. Uh, of course, you know the history of these two. Yeah, born together. Uh, one sold his birthright, that is Esau. Birthright which was too, so important in their culture. That is inheritance. Yeah, when you sell your inheritance, that is the worst that you can have. Even your inheritance as a Christian, yeah, if you sold your inheritance as a Christian, that is something that is detestable to God. And here in Romans nine thirteen, it's even uh, referenced as it's written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau I hated. And here he tells them the same thing and says. Uh, and I have made his mountains a desolation and appointed his inheritance for the jackals and the wilderness. That is for Esau. Yeah? That your brother, you Israel, who is Esau, has not shared in the glory that you've shared in, has not taken on the a blessing that you've taken on. So that is evidence enough that I have loved you. Though Edom says, yeah, Edom, of course, those are the descendants of Esau. We have been beaten down, but we will return and build up the ruins. That says a lot of us, they may rebuild, they may build, but I will tear down. And men will call them the wicked territory. Yeah? And the people toward whom the Lord is indignant forever. Your eyes will see this and you will say, The Lord be magnified beyond the border of Israel. Yeah? I tell them, you will see that you have been loved. Because your own brother will not even test of just quarter of what you have, the love that you have. Whenever they try to rise, they will fall. Yeah, a son honors his father, and a servant his master. Then, if I am a father, 
where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my respect? Hmm? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. This message was going to the priests directly. Yeah? That where is the honor? Where is the respect that you should be showing me as the Almighty God, as the Creator, as your master? Because we have a master. And this specifically to the priests, they need to know that they have a master. And that is the Almighty God. He's the one who sends them to work. They work for him. And all this self-glorification of let, where you see a, 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 a leader or a, somebody who serves God being mag- raised on the highest of all, like the other master, is not right because they should be humble enough. There has to be humility that is being shown by these leaders. yeah. And he tells them, but you say, we have despised uh, your name. Yet, you are presenting defiled food upon my altar, but you say, how have we defiled you? Yeah, When it's time to, remember, straight from uh, the earlier days of Moses, they were told on how to handle how the sacrifices should be offered, what type. Yeah, they should be clean and pure, but now they are bringing defiled food. Yeah, In that you say, the table of the Lord is to be despised. When you do that, that's what you're implying. You're despising. When you bring things that are not worthy to God, then you're despising him. Yeah, But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? He had warned them about that uh, straight from Leviticus. Do not present the things that are not all animals that are not in good shape for sacrifices. And when they present the lamb, the sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts, if you just took that which you want to give to God and gave it to the president? Will he accept it? If you can't give it to the president, why do you give it to the Lord? Yeah, And he says, but now, Will you not entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us? With such an offering on your part, will he receive any of you kindly, says the Lord? Or that there were one among you who would shut the gates that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord. Nor will I accept an offering from you. From the rising of the sun, even its to its setting, the name of the Lord, my name will be great among the nations. And every place, in every place, incense is going to be offered to my name and grain offering that is pure, for my name will be great among the nations. But you are profaning it, yeah? And you, you, the table of the Lord is defiled, and as for its fruit, its food is to be despised. You also say, my how tiresome it is, and you disdain sniff at it, says the Lord of us, and you bring what is taken by robbery, and what is lame or sick, so you bring the offering. Should I receive that from your hand, says the Lord? When you go and steal and bring to the house of God, when you go and bring that which is not worthy and bring it to the house of God, does God receive it? He's asking them here. And that that should apply to us. The, when I go out and I do shady deals, and I do uh, 
uh, all the wrong work that is out there to do and I bring money and I give it to God saying, Lord, I've brought my offering to you. Is that acceptable? Because it is lame. It is sick. It's through robbery. It's through unfair means. Does God accept offerings that are not worthy? He clearly tells his people here that that is not something I take on. I do not accept your offerings. That's very important for us to note. Does God accept everything you give him? Are all your offerings acceptable to God? Because there are some things that we take to the Lord and they are not in the right shape and they will not be received by him. Yeah, That's a discussion we shall have very soon. But cast be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it, but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord, and my name is feared among the nations. If you have the best, give me the best. Don't reserve the best that you have, and you give me that which is not good. Yeah? And now listen, this commandment is for you, O priests. If you do not listen, and if you do not take it to heart, and give honor to my name, says the Lord. Then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. And indeed, I have cursed them already, because you are not taking it to heart. He's telling the priests. Because I'm going to rebuke your offspring, and I will spread refuse on your faces, and refuse on your fists, and you will be taken away with it. Then you know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant may continue with Levi, says the Lord. Yeah? My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him as an object of reference. So he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and unrighteousness was not found on his lips. He walked with me in from he walked with me in peace and uprightness. He turned many back from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should preserve knowledge. He's giving to them an example of Levi himself, uh, the original now, and how they were clear, how they were open, how they were walking in order. Yeah, And we can attest to that from the earlier books of Moses. But now, the priests that are existing now have turned. They are leading a different life. They are leading a life that is not worthy. And it gives them what should the life of a priest be. The lips of a priest should preserve knowledge the things that should come out of them. And men should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. That is how the leaders should be. That is how spiritual leaders should be. But now, you sometimes hear what preachers are speaking, and it's not knowledge, and it's not considered even wisdom, but rather they speak from their own resource and that which is worldly. Yeah? And he says, but, of, but as for you... You have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by the instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. You, when the leader is the one speaking things that take people astray, you get on the pulpit on a Sunday and you preach a message that is leading people astray, telling them to do that which is contrary to the Lord. That is what these people were doing. yeah. And he says, so also I have made you despised and abased before all the people. Just as you are not keeping my ways, but are showing partiality in the instruction. Yeah, he says, since you're not doing things my way, I also leave you to do it 
whichever way you want, and you'll be ashamed. Yeah? Do we not all have one Father? Has not one God created us? That is key. People who come up with all theories on creation and how they came to exist, this makes it clear for us to know who created us, who created the heavens and the earth. That is the one Father they're talking about here. Why do we deal treacherously against each each against his brother, so as to profane the covenant of our fathers. Judah has dealt treacherously, and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Yeah? And he says, he goes on and says, For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves as a married, as, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. As for the man who does this, may the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob, everyone who awakes and answers or who presents an offering of the Lord or forces another thing, you do. You do not. This is another thing he tells them that they do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and with groaning because he no longer regards the offerings All accept it with favor from your hand. These people were offering, taking their lame things, taking their their animals with blemishes, taking their uh, uh, produce that is not worthy, and they thought God would accept it, but he would not accept it. How? Whatever they would request would not come. Lord, we offered this and they are crying on the altar, saying we gave you this offering. Why haven't things worked out? And God says it's because you did it and I was not pleased and I did not accept it. Sometimes we give, we offer, we do all things, but our lifestyle and that which we give holds the answers from God. And he says here that they are crying on the altars. They are crying to the Lord on the altars. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth, against whom you've dealt treacherously, though she's your companion and your wife by covenant. He's now giving them the reason. You're giving, you're asking, but then you are unfaithful and you expect an answer. But not one has done so. Who has a remnant of the spirit? And what did that one do while he was seeking a godly offspring? Take heed then to your spirit and let no one deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. Do not deal treacherously against the wife of your youth. They are speaking about... Um, the fact here that there has to be commitment. Exodus chapter 20 verse 14. Uh, when they are giving commandments, you shall not commit adultery. Yeah, Be faithful with that wife that God has given you. Yeah, Be faithful with that person that God has given you. Because here it's, it plays a part in why some of these offerings are not being accepted. Adultery. Yeah, sometimes we do not receive the answers from God because of the lifestyle we have and the things we do and the life we live. And when it does not honor God, God will also not respond to you. And here comes a statement that we read of a lot and hear of a lot. For I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. And him who covers his garment with wrong, says the Lord of hosts. He talks about two things here. He hates divorce. He also hates the person who covers his garment with wrong. Yeah? An evil life. Yeah? 
And uh, there's a big discussion, and we shall get to it when we get to the New Testament, concerning divorce. Yeah, Why? What did Jesus say about it? But God here clearly says he doesn't like it. It's not something he loves. It's not something he supports. Because many times it comes out of unfaithfulness. When people are not committed to one another, then that is where it starts. It starts, there's a lot of adultery that uh, brings it in uh, or brings or leads to divorce. That's why these two are close to one another. You've not been faithful to the wife of your youth. Yeah? You've not been faithful to your spouse. Then what is next? It is divorce. But God hates divorce. And we need to understand that God wants us to live in peace with one another. God wants you to live in peace with your spouse. God wants you to live in peace and be together. Yeah? And uh, we shall have a very clear discussion when we get to the New Testament on how Jesus talks about it. But from what uh, Malachi speaks here, God hates divorce. And that's clear to us all that he does hate it. So take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Do not deal treacherously. Do all that you can to keep faithfulness in your relationships. Yeah? You have worried the Lord with your words. Yet you say, how have we worried him? Yeah, in that you say everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord and he delights in them all where is the God of justice. Everyone will say it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter the lifestyle you live. God still loves you. God still have, uh, has compassion over you. God still cares. The grace is abundant. Mm. It's the same thing here. They do evil. In the sight of the Lord, say, it's okay with the Lord. Who is the God of justice? Who is the God who hates evil? Yeah, And behold, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Of course, you know the messenger being talked about here. Yeah, uh, John chapter 1 verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. That is John the Baptist. It's a messenger that is being proclaimed here who is going to come to pave the way. Yeah, And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming says the Lord of God, he's coming to pave the way uh, for Jesus to come. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like the refiner's fire and like the fallow soap. He will sit as a smelter and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that they may present the Lord offerings in righteousness. When they are talking about uh, Jesus here to come, and the purification is going to make for the sons of Levi, for the ministers of God, yeah, that they will offer in righteousness. That is a new chapter that they're talking about here. They will not just offer with coming with bulls and lambs and what and slaughter. No, there is the righteousness they preserve. They minister through it. They walk in it and they offer to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as the days of old and as in the former years. When Jesus comes, the offering that is being offered is not uh, a type of slaughtering animals. We didn't read at any one point when he's slaughtering one. Yeah, but then he's coming to preside over a priesthood that shall be in righteousness, that shall minister in righteousness, that shall serve in righteousness. And this will be pleasing to the Lord. Time will come where the bulls and uh, the grain will not be pleasing anymore. But Christ will come. And he will place that upon them. Then I'll draw near to you for judgment. And I'll be a swift witness against the sorcerers 
and against all the adulterers and against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the wage earner in his wages, the widow and the orphan, and those who turn aside the alien and do not fear me, says the Lord. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. God does not change. When God says something, he retains it. From the day of your fathers, you've turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I'll return to you. We've seen this a number of times, him telling, if you come back, I'll come back. But you see, how shall we return? And he says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And he gives them the answer. In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. At this point that they are talking about, with all that Israel has gone through Judah, the captivity, and being assimilated into other tribes, taken into other kingdoms, taken to Africa, wherever it is, the institution as it was for the temple and what it was supposed to be done as far as the religious duties are concerned, they were not being done. They were not bringing the offerings anymore. They were not bringing the tithes anymore. There were no sacrifices that were happening anymore at the temple. The priests, like we've read, were doing their own things. And God is saying here, you are robbing me because you're not even bringing the tithe and the offerings. Those Levites who were supposed to minister in the temple were nowhere to be seen because life had changed. Remember, initially, they were supposed to, as Levites, be the ones to minister in the house of God. Right now, everyone is out there fending for himself because nobody is even bringing a tithe to help them stand or to be living a life that is comfortable even if they do not work. And he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, and pour out a blessing for you until it overflows. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor your, wine, your vine in the field cast its grip, says the Lord. All nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord. Now, this is a very interesting and hot discussion. It has been of late concerning the tithe, uh, the offering, it's not talked about a lot, but the tithe specifically in the Christian circles. Yeah. And uh, an offering, all that tenth, all the tithe, it, it, it is considered as that tenth of that whole that you get. And we saw from starters Abraham giving Melchizedek a tenth. We saw uh, Jacob promising God a tenth. Yeah. And of course, even in the patriarchal days, this practice was already existing. Under Moses, Israel was to give God that tithe. Of what? Of all its crops, of all its flocks and herds. That which they do because that was their lifestyle. That is the nature of work that they would do as Israelites. Now these tithes were received by the Levites. Why? For the sustenance of the Levites. Because remember like I have mentioned, the Levite was not supposed to do any sort of work, even when it came to inheritances and apportion, apportioning of land. They did not apportion those huge chunks to the Levites because they were people of God, servants of God, an entire tribe reserved for God. So, when the tithe would come, it will help the Levite in their day-to-day. And even in cases you had Levites who collect tithe in different places. For example, they would say, 
uh, on this village, there is a Levite, so-and-so, who collects the tithe on that village. And when the Levite would collect the tithe, they would also, in turn, tithe from what they have received. And what they have received, they get a tithe of that, and they would send it to the priest, the one higher in rank for his sustenance as well. Yeah? And uh, there there were those three specific tithe uh, that were uh, brought to them as Israelites on what they're supposed to give. One of them, of course, was from the produce they make Yeah, in the season. Uh, when you've done the farming, probably there are two seasons, a year or three seasons. At the end of that season, you will have to give uh, that tithe. Then that is collected by the Levite. Yeah. Then they had a second one, which was for the events. If you have events to be done at Jerusalem or feasts, yeah, we saw one with Solomon where they killed thousands and thousands of animals. That was also one that was given. Then the third was one that would be collected every three years for the poor and the needy and the orphans, that they may have food, that there should be food in that storehouse that anybody, anybody who does not have what to eat, they will go and pick it. So, Deuteronomy specifies these tithes very well. It even specifies the yearly tithe that uh, they were permitted to eat, the worshippers, that uh, you go and uh, you eat that one. And every three years, there was also the storehouse tithe that we've talked about for the Levites and for the aliens and the fatherless, the widows, that they would get and they would um, give to those who do not have. Yeah, the celebration one is is one where if you're very far and you cannot come to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast, sell that, get the money, sit somewhere, eat in rejoicing. Now those are the three that were specific to them, and uh, later on it dies out as they go through the captivity. That system dies out, and they, it has to be reestablished. Nehemiah tries to reestablish it, and. Uh, Malachi now warns against that being slack in giving that tithe because it was helping to maintain the house of God. Yeah, and uh, this is a big debate, and we shall have big discussion concerning it because even right now, if you're to compare the tithe that is being offered now and the one that is being spoken of in the Bible that was given to the Israelites as as instruction. Is it the same? Yeah, because the Levites were not necessarily the priests. The major or top priests were Levites, yes, but the bigger group of the Levites, Levites or the, uh, the, the tribe were laymen, servants, like ushers, you may call them, who would go, they, they take care of the sacrifices, they take care of the temple, clean the, the temple tabernacle then, and then those are the ones who are receiving the tithe. So in this case, it, does it apply in the same manner? Is it being collected by the servants of God or by the priests? Because the priests would benefit from that which the usher has collected. yeah. And the usher would give to the priest what he would have to get for sustenance. But that's a, a discussion that we may have another day. But here, he's telling them that you've forgotten all that. Yes, it could have been uh, an issue or a result of the captivity that you went into, that you've forgotten my system, but get back in order. And when you do that, 
so that my temple is running smoothly. The Levites are back on duty. There's food for the poor. There's food uh, for the widow and the orphan. Then I'll consider you, like he talks to them here. Your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? Yeah, You've said, it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it to have kept his charge? And what that we have walked in mourning before the Lord. So now we call the arrogant blessed not only as the doers of wickedness, uh, but they've built up and they test God. Yeah. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. They will be mine, says the Lord, on the day that I prepare my own possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son. Who serves him so you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. We shall close with chapter four, which is the last book of this the last chapter of this book. For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaff, and the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Now, there is a day being spoken of here that is coming. They will be burning like a furnace. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. This day is referenced in 2 Peter. The one that Malachi is speaking here. And I've had at least, I think, two or three dreams of this same day. One day I'll share them. But there is a fire that will come and consume everything on that day of judgment. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go forth and skip about like cows from the stall. You will tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I am preparing, says the Lord. On that day where fire burns, everything will be left to ashes. This I've seen and it was terrible in, that, in those dreams. But those who are righteous, those who walk with God, shall be raised up. And they shall be beyond this destruction. And that's where we aim and ought to be. Walking with the Lord so that we do not miss that. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, even the statutes and ordinances which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. Uh, his, Elijah here is being spoken of. Remember, Elijah did not die. Yeah, he did not die. He came back and uh, it's believed that everybody at one point will have to die. And Elijah, remember, he goes up, uh, taken up into heaven. But here the word speaks and says Elijah will return. He will come back. Uh, Matthew chapter 17 verse 10 to 13. And his disciples asked him saying, Why then do the scribes say, that Elijah must first come. And Jesus answered and said to them, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elijah is already come. He has come already. And they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they liked. 
Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spoke unto them of John the Baptist. So, John the Baptist here is considered the Elijah that comes. And he comes to prepare the way for Christ to come. And this is spoken of here. He comes to restore. He comes to return the hearts. There is that uh, gospel and the baptism of repentance that Elijah uh, comes out to speak and tell people to do, which they greatly responded to before Christ came. And uh, when Christ comes, the way has been paved as was spoken in the scriptures, as was promised in the scriptures. That marks the end of the book of Malachi. Thus, marking the end of the Old Testament that we've learned over this long period of time. And I thank God uh, for you and the time you've taken to study with us. We shall be starting the New Testament next week. And uh, we thank God for the grace. Father, we thank you for the mercy. We do not take this for granted, but that grace you've given us to study your word. We thank you. And we ask for more. We ask for more revelation. We ask for more anointing. We ask for more power, more direction. And help us walk as your children. May we do that which pleases you and honors you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.